Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find Amazon links to help you purchase the music that you hear on the show and support the show at the same time. And you'll find a donate button if you'd like to give something back to the Jazz Session. Yesterday marked the fifth year anniversary of uh, Katrina and uh, the largely man-made flooding of New Orleans uh, that was exacerbated uh, by the storm, kicked off by the storm, but certainly uh, made so much worse uh, by the engineering failures at the city of New Orleans. And in the uh, weeks immediately after the storm, just a couple weeks later, saxophonist Andrew Lamb, who's my guest today, and his trio recorded an album called New Orleans Suite. Uh, if you go to thejazzsession.com and you scroll all the way down to the bottom on the left-hand side, you'll see a categories link. And if you choose the category New Orleans, you'll find uh, all of the shows that uh, deal with New Orleans musicians, including an interview with uh, Terrence Blanchard about his album A Tale of God's Will and Choices, and you'll find interviews with uh, Jeff Albert and a couple of Marsalises and, and several others. Uh, so if you um, would like to hear directly from musicians in New Orleans making music, uh, in the aftermath of the storm, then uh, I encourage you to go to the jazz session and scroll down uh, and choose the category New Orleans. Andrew Lamb's album, as I mentioned, is called New Orleans Suite. Uh, the trio is uh, Andrew on saxophone and flute and clarinet and harmonica, Tom Abs on bass and cello and percussion, and uh, Warren Smith on drums and percussion. Warren also wrote a poem and uh, recites that poem uh, to music at the beginning of this album. It's called Dies and Lies. The show must go on. Don't cancel the ball game, the MLB, the NFL, the PGA, tennis, the WNBA, Mother Nature just staged a terrorist act on our ass. <laughs> And for once in a long time, not a Muslim was blamed. Now it's open season on us again. Shoot to kill. Zero tolerance. Looting to survive is punishable by death. My guest is uh, saxophonist, uh, flautist, composer Andrew Lamb. He uh, and the, his trio have an album on Engine Records called New Orleans Suite, uh, which was recorded immediately after uh, Hurricane Katrina five years ago, in, within weeks afterward, and uh, has been remastered and, uh, and re-released by Engine Records now for the fifth anniversary. And it's my pleasure to welcome Andrew Lamb to the show. Thanks so much for being here, Andrew. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely, Jason. Well, let's uh, let's start right off and talk about uh, why you felt compelled to record this music uh, five years ago when you did. Why did you feel that that uh, making a musical statement was important for you? Well, what happened that I remember how warm I felt being in New Orleans and the people that I met. And uh, at the time, <clears throat> I was on a houseboat with my family on a vacation, going down the Erie Canal when I got that news. When I got that news, man, I could just just imagine what was going on. And that, and um, I have family members down there, like my wife has some cousins and stuff. And, oh, man, uh, it was just it was just so deep for me to know that that had happened. And I, I had to express something. I, I, that's all I could do. I couldn't, I couldn't physically do anything, but I could spiritually do something. And I was moved. I, I had to make some type of statement. I had to do something that might help heal someone later because I, I knew that there was just going to be a lot of healing that was going to have to happen. I was dealing with it myself, so that's what caused me to want to make that statement. Because I'm sure people will wonder, and because you address this in the liner notes, uh, my understanding is that your your cousins uh, and other family members who lived in New Orleans uh, all survived the storm. Is that right? Yes, yes. So yeah, lifted and so forth. That's great. Which was great, but it was some time before knowing that. You know, so everyone was in suspense, of course, hoping everyone was okay. It was really a lot. Andrew, you talked about making a spiritual statement. Uh, can you talk about um, what what you feel the role of of that statement was in the in the aftermath of what happened in New Orleans? And we refer to it as Katrina, and really, 
you know, the, it, it was a storm largely that was man-made in, in its effects. There was a storm, yeah, but the actual disaster yeah, was man-made. Yeah. So referring yeah, to it as Katrina yeah. is kind of shorthand that, that takes away responsibility mm-hmm. from the people who really caused it to happen. But I, I wonder, can you talk about the, the spiritual uh, the spiritual component, Why, what you felt your contribution was going to be by recording this music? Was the people need something, something to hold on to, something to know that this happened, and it was a, a tragic thing that happened. And people's whole lives and families, everything they work for in some cases was just totally destroyed. People lost their lives. People had to, to, to survive and do everything they could in the middle of all that and, and pray to be rescued and be saved. And I just, I mean, I just imagine that. How that must have been. I mean, you know, having to swim and see the, the dead bodies floating in the water around you, gasping for air and hoping you could find something to hold on to to save yourself. Hoping someone else is going to be saved. Seeing a friend of yours floating down the, the water. I mean, you know, something like that. Uh, that's just terrible now. You know, and I just felt that people need to know that there's something they could, they could listen to, man. They could, they could hold on to. They could feel that there's, there's hope there. You know, that they're not forgotten that this just happened. It was felt by everyone to some extent or another that's conscious. And that through that, there could be some, some type of warmth. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that the, the music is, is to the blessing of the creator. You, if you are allowed to create music, you have responsibility to the people who don't play the instruments, who love music. You have a responsibility to to try and and bring some warmth to someone, some love, you know, some hope, man. You know, that's how I feel about it. In, in all sincerity, so that you know, I, and I, I wanted to, to do something. I mean, I prayed on that. You know, could could make some kind of contribution to help somebody. You know. And Andrew, you made a choice on this recording um, that I particularly respect. Uh, there are there are many famous recordings from throughout the history of jazz that that deal with. Uh, political issues through instrumental music. And on this recording, in addition to the instrumental music, uh, and we should mention that it's uh, Tom Abs uh, and Warren Smith who accompany you, uh, actually the very first track, Dies and Lies, uh, does contain uh, lyrics in the form of a, of a poem and then some sung sections uh, from, from Warren Smith. And those definitely cast the entire album in a very particular uh, uh, political light. I don't mean political in the Republican or Democratic sense, but political in, in the uh, in the sense of kind of enlightened people watching the reaction to this storm. And um, certainly Warren's uh, Warren's poetry is is very pointed. And uh, given that you guys recorded this just a couple weeks after Katrina, you weren't reacting to years of analysis. You were right there in the moment. Can you talk about that decision to uh, begin the album that way? What happened was that I had my feelings about it when I contacted Warren and Tom. I went to see Warren in 
to to uh, you know visit him. And when I got there, Warren had his own feelings about things, and Warren had composed this already, not knowing that I was going to speak with him about recording the record. So it was just divine intervention, the way that it happened that way. That that his poem, that statement, it was all part of the real story of what was going on. So that's the reason why it started that way. Debbie's been here thrice. Took pictures and left saying thrice. Won't forget what I saw. Help is on the way. Won't forget what I saw. Help is on the way. Won't forget what I saw. Help is on the way. It's week two now. No one who can really help has arrived. Then the administration sent their man, John Wayne, for education. General Andre came and gave some hope. But when he saw it all, he damn near cried. They turned away help from Cuba and Venezuela and from some folks here. So they are saving themselves. Heroes within to merely survive this. Kanye was right. When he lies, a lot of folks dies. Andrew, can you talk about that day in the studio? And again, I want to remind folks that uh, you recorded this album in September, literally <clears throat> just a couple weeks after uh, after the storm and hit at the end of August. Uh, can you talk about that day in the studio and what it was like? That day in the studio was it was a very serious. Very, very, um, it was a very busy day. And everyone wanted to, everyone was, was anxious, and everyone was in the moment of making this happen. And, and what was really grand about this was Stephen Walcott, who was also the engineer, I mean, he was just as into it as we were into it. It wasn't just recording a, a record or just recording a good record you know it this was about really capturing the the moment the statement the feelings that everyone had there and and, and we we were all just you know that that was the moment to do that i mean that's that's where we were at the time that's where we were at the time you know just really 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 engaged in this moment. I mean, it was, um, hmm. I mean, it's hard to put in certain words, that energy, but you could feel that energy that was in the room. 
And it's the whole the whole room was just lit up with it. You know, and it's like um, it was effortless, you know, because it was real. Everything was it was just true about really making this happen. There's uh, there's so much intensity uh, in this record all, all throughout. Even in in the well, intensity and speed obviously aren't aren't related. But even in the in the sections that are that are kind of slow and stately, there's a lot of really burning intensity. And um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the amount of this record that was just kind of uh, freely improvised in the moment, and then how much uh, kind of compositionally you had you had brought in or or ideas that you had brought into the report? Well. One composition was put into the recording. It was a song of the Miracle Lives. And Song of the Miracle Lives in this state was dedicated to the people who went through having to be rescued and as I mentioned before, seeing these bodies and having to swim and hold on to things and, and, and pray to be rescued and survive them. You know, I mean, it was a miracle that that people actually survived us. I mean, this this thing could have taken out everybody that, that was in the vicinity of it. You know? And so that particular composition is for that. It's, it's in terms of conceptually... It was uh, speaking about the the improvisational aspects, man. Expressing how you felt about it. I mean, the we're using the bells and using the percussion instruments. That was really about just the, the whole trauma of it. The whole idea of you know, panic. Yeah. It's like, you know, trying to do everything you could to to put yourself somewhere, somewhere in that 
mindset that, that you had to make it and just knowing that all this was going on you know so that, that's where that was you know we would all we would all hope that uh, a record like this would be a a historical document talking about something from the past and unfortunately even five years on much of what happened as a result of uh, Katrina and as a result of the engineering failures is still going on and then uh, kind of almost uh, some <laughs> cosmic joke then the BP oil spill happened and uh, yeah. you know the whole the whole thing is, is kind of brought brought right back into the forefront again the whole destruction of the of the Gulf Coast and that seems to make this album uh, particularly relevant once again that uh, it seems to to make it just as relevant today unfortunately as it was two weeks after uh, the hurricane yes it does I mean this is amazing you know and one of the things man is just, that has to really be looked at is the spirit of the people you man there was just so there's so much warmth and love and the folks on all different levels man and, and you can you can see it manifested in the fact that back-to-back catastrophes man and the people live man the, the people are still moving they're still they're still doing what they can do man they're, they're, it's amazing it's an amazing thing when you really look at it look at just being bombarded by these two different things you know and it's man it's rough it's rough, but if you speak with some people who are still down in there, it's like, here we go again. You know, but, but hey, man, but people are still smiling. People are still moving. You know, people are still doing the, the best of whatever they could do. People are not giving up. And man, that's, that's tremendous right there. You know? Using, uh, using music to respond to to political uh, or uh, social or spiritual events uh, certainly has a long history in jazz and and you are directly connected to uh, one of the important lineages uh, that really made that a, a common practice the AACM um, kind of movement and uh, particularly Kalapurusha Maurice McIntyre can you talk a little bit about uh, your, your work with him and, and how you two met? Well he and I actually met through Warren Smith because he and Warren childhood friends I had known of California because I had no idea that I would actually meet him especially to the, the way that it happened and I mean I met him and when we talked and uh, he looked at me and he says, well, you know, come over to his house. And I came over to his house and, and that's how it began. And I mean, he, in California, is a tremendous individual. And he shared many things with me. Not just the theory of music and not just the knowledge of the saxophone. But we, the music is more than just that. It's more than just knowing how to, to manipulate the instrument and the, knowing the theories and formulas and things. And the music is life. You know, it's life for us. It's like every day you wake up, it's a new day. You can walk down the same street you walked down 
for years, but every day there's something different happening with that street. And that's supposed to come out of the music. Because the, the music is not supposed to stagnate at any point because it's alive. It's a, the music is a, a living entity, really. You know, and, I mean, we talked about family, universe. We talked about the, the physicality of playing the instrument and um, holding on to studies, breathing and um, thinking and, and communication. You know, communicating to someone. If someone understands it, you're, you're actually saying something to them. It's coming from you. You know, it's not just a it's not just sound. It's sound. It's sound with with something in it that, that makes you feel that. And then that has to be within you, though, because you can play anything, but to, to, to move someone, there has to be something in you that they feel coming out of the music to move them, to make someone and to touch somebody. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's really what that is. So he shared a lot with me. Everything from the ACM, the teachings, the philosophies, I mean, all of that. So, I mean, it was just really great that the creator had put me there with him, especially at that particular point in my development. You know, that was. I was beyond, beyond words, really. And uh, roughly when is this that we're talking about? When did you two first meet? Uh, early 70s. Okay. So I studied with him in the early 70s and um, then intervals towards the late 70s, then the early 80s, mid 80s. And uh, yeah, that was, that was, and the mid 80s was the, actually the, that was, that was it. That was when it was time to just go ahead and, and just, um, you know, be me. You know, but the whole thing was about being me, you know, and he really helped me stand on my on my own feet as myself. And that's what I always wanted to do, was just be myself. Everyone I was influenced by was a catalyst of me being myself. You know, so... He gave me the things I needed so that I could be me, tell my story, be the individual that I am, and put the saxophone in my way.
was studying with Kalaparusha, was that the, the beginning of the journey for you uh, in terms of music becoming a, a spiritual practice in addition to just a craft? Or is that a path you'd already been on uh, before you two met? No, that's a path I had already been on. I was on that path and finding my way. And I knew, I knew it was, it was a deeper thing. Than, than folks I was around there. And then I had this experience where I was playing the flute and there was a lady who was around me. She was hearing it, impaired. And she said, um, she said, I was beautiful and I looked at her. You know, she could say it, you know, the way she could speak. You understand know what I mean? Yes. And I, and I said, um, I looked at her. She said, you wonder how I know. And she felt the flute. And she said, I could feel the vibrations. And she told me that that changed everything about, you know, it, it, it showed me I was on the right path completely. And it just changed everything. I knew, I knew what was going on. I knew that it was even deeper than I thought it was. And I knew I was on the right track. And that just enlightened me to work harder and to, being invisible to not to not be distracted by anyone who was trying to get me not to be an individual to tell me I should be I play like this one play like that one whatever I wasn't interested in that I you know I knew I was on the path and, and, and I knew it was going to be hard it was going to be a lot of work I understood that and I was prepared to do that you know, I've been on that fence. You know, I, I understand so much about this, man. I mean, um, latter years I had an experience when I did a uh, performance with this uh, organization, man. It's Def Jam, where, where all the, all of these dancers, they're, they're all hearing impaired, but they feel the vibration through the floor, you know? I mean, and that just connected with everything that I had, I had experienced when I was 18, 19 years old. You know, so, so I knew I was on the path, man. And Calpurusha being there, it was, it was wonderful. I mean, there, there's a, if you ever have read all the biography of a, a yogi, but perhaps a yogananda, there's a period in there where he's searching for his teacher. He doesn't know when he's going to find a teacher, and suddenly, boom, his teacher is there. He realizes that this is the person that, that he should study with on his road to enlightenment. So it's, it's, it's very interesting that that it happened, and I could relate that to my studying with Calvary in that way. So everything was connected for me. And God, there, was, there was no question about whether I was on the right path or not. And I still My guest is Andrew Lamb. He and his uh, trio recorded an album uh, immediately after, in the weeks after uh, Hurricane Katrina, uh, called New Orleans Suite, and it's been uh, remastered and uh, re-released by Engine Records here at the at the fifth anniversary. Uh, it's a, a I think a, a very special album, a very important album. And, uh, Andrew, it's been uh, a real pleasure to talk to you ab- about this music and the path you've been on, and I thank you for taking the time to do it. 
Well, listen, thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to have been on your show. And I really appreciate and respect your work. I've listened to your interviews. And uh, I hope you continue with your work and I hope you get all the support you need. That's music from the Andrew Lamb Trio and their album New Orleans Suite, recorded for Engine Studios back in 2005, immediately following uh, Hurricane Katrina, and then remastered and re-released now to commemorate the fifth anniversary of the storm and also to respond uh, to the BP Gulf oil crisis. As I mentioned at the top of the show, if you'd like to hear more from musicians from New Orleans, you can go to thejazzsession.com and scroll down to the uh, lower left-hand side, the, lower, the bottom of the left-hand side of the jazzsession.com page, and you'll see a categories link. If you just click on that, a little drop-down menu will pop up, and you can choose New Orleans, and uh, you'll see a list of all the interviews with musicians from New Orleans that I've done on the show. My thanks to the Respect Sextet, who recorded the opening and closing themes to this program. They've got a new album called Farcical Built for Six that you'll find at respectsextet.com. It has liner notes by my friend Jeff Rabel, who's at jeffrabel.com. He's a humor writer and columnist. Uh, And his brother Dave Rabel designed the logo for the jazz session. Thanks, Dave. Thank you so much for listening. Please go out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the jazz session.
everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.